that we are continuing our series. Now, some of you may say, what do you mean continuing? You're just starting it. No, you missed Wednesday night. We have church on Wednesdays. We have church on Wednesdays. And, and you know, we've come to this conclusion that we're not just going to wait for all you Sunday Christians. We're just going to start church on Wednesdays. So we started the course on Wednesdays. But because Pastor P is such a nice guy, if you happen just to miss Wednesday night, and I know you wanted to be here and you know you need to be here, but you just couldn't just this week. But this week or last week, but this week's a different story because you're going to be here. But if you happen to have missed, I've got some CDs from Wednesday night that Miss Nancy recorded for you. So please grab one of those and if they run out, just fill out a form and we'll get them for you. But I believe what we discussed on Wednesday is so incredibly important that you need to be a part of it. But this month that we are going to really deal heavily with the issues of our lives. Those things that must be addressed because if we don't address them, they're going to destroy us. They're going to destroy us. And that's why when we're talking about it's all about me, we're not talking about it's all about Philip and there's arrows pointing at me everywhere. I'm kind of getting a little bit insecure just even standing up here. Everyone's watching me. Everyone's looking. But there are issues inside of every one of us that I believe are issues that we need to deal with. That they're issues that don't belong inside of a child of God that we need to get rid of because they are limiting our ability to perform And they are limiting our ability to further our lives. God never saved us just to sit on a pew and do nothing. God never saved us just to live an inactive life. God saved us with great purpose, with great intention. And that is to do great and mighty things for Him. And that means every one of us is able to do that. But we don't. We don't. And many times we don't is because of the inner struggles the issues and those things, and that's why we're going to deal with those. We're going to take these giants on because they are giants. They're massive to us. They're intimidating to us. We're going to face the giants that hold our lives in terror and fear, that have restricted us, that have inhibited us, and have belittled us. We're going to talk of such issues as insecurities, worry, fear, unforgiveness, offense, and even purity, the struggle that perhaps it is in every one of our lives. The issues, what we're going to be dealing with are really, we're going to be talking about those things that we don't want to talk about. Come on, let's be honest. We don't want to talk about these. We don't want to admit the fact that we have these issues and these problems inside of us. But I believe it's time that we do admit that we can have a freedom and a liberty in our lives. One day a man was walking down the street. He was visiting Hong Kong. And while in Hong Kong, he was just taking in all the sights. And one day, he walked past a tattoo parlor. 
And intrigued by the displays in the windows of all the different images and the pictures or the writings of what people could put upon their body, he stopped and had a look. And almost in the middle of all the choices that there were, if you want to say it that way, he saw the words of a tattoo called Born to Lose. Now, he remembered that was a song. Who was it? Was it Ray Charles or someone I think had written that song? Or it was a title to a song, Born to Lose. But out of all these images, that one just really jumped out to him. And he thought to himself, whoever would want to get that tattooed to their body? So intrigued, he walked into the parlor and he asked the gentleman there who struggled to understand him. But he asked him and he pointed and he says, do people get this tattoo? And he was so amazed by the answer that the guy said, yes, many do. So he asked asked him another question. He said, why would people get tattooed upon their body, born to lose? And in his broken English, the gentleman said to him, tattoo in mind before tattoo on body. Tattoo in mind before tattoo on body. How true is that? That today we are living something that we could once have walked past and looked and say, why would anyone ever believe a lie like that? Why would anyone ever choose to live as such an existence, if you can call it like that, that we have been puzzled and we've asked people in that state, but the reality is it got into our minds. And as a result of infiltrating our minds, it's now upon our person and it's become something that has identified us and labeled us in our lives. Satan wants to infiltrate our minds because he knows when he gets into our minds, our minds then will begin to bombard our hearts. And ultimately what takes place is we begin to self-destruct from within. You see, one of the first steps, I believe, to breaking free, and one of the first things is to realize what we're up against. Look at this scripture from 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. How many know Satan wants to take advantage of your life? He's not your best friend. Come on, I hate to tell you that. Satan's not your best friend. A lot of people think he takes care of his own. No, Satan doesn't say those words. That's God that says I take care of my own. Satan says, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's come to do. That's all he's come to do. So we believe the lie that, oh, Satan takes care of his own. No, Satan wants to take advantage of you. For we are not to be ignorant, is how it writes. We're not to be ignorant of his devices. Say with me, not ignorant. That means we need to know. Come on, we need to know. Of the vices or the devices, which a better terminology would be the vices, like a vice that you lock something in place, that you hold it in place. Satan has held us in place. He's held you at bay, I believe, for long enough. And that's why we're dealing with these issues. Why? Because Satan has taken advantage of our futures, of our lives, of our home, of our talents, of what God has given us. For long enough. 
For example, insecurity. You know what it wants to do? It wants to bring about your demise. I looked up that word demise in the dictionary and I was kind of surprised by what it meant. It means death. It means death. God wants to use these issues to destroy us. And you know what's worse than a physical death? Is living a spiritual, everyday death. Living dead while yet still being alive. Look at the words of John chapter 8 verse 31 and verse 32. And you probably all know this scripture and I hope you do. And if you don't, note it down. It's a good one that you need to know. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know shall make you free. King James says, shall set you free. The thought is, it is making me free. The truth that I learn in God's word is making you and I, setting us free from bondages. Why do we have such issues with worry and fear and purity and insecurity and offense and all these things? Is because we don't know the truth and therefore don't apply it and don't live it. But the truth that we're reading of here in the Word of God is a truth that needs to go beyond our knowledge of only just knowing. What do you mean by that, Pastor Philip? A lot of us know stuff, but we don't do it. Come on. And you know the Bible says, Miss Emma, that's sin. Come on, the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do right, but doeth it not, to him or her, that's sin. So it's not just an, a mental assent or a knowledge of. We've got to first have that. That is so true. But the truth that God is speaking about goes beyond our minds and it gets down totally into our soul and spirit. And it becomes a part of us or literally we become a part of that truth. But yet instead today, instead of living in that inner freedom, instead of living in that peace that God has for us, We so often find our lives controlled by external factors and internal issues. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says these words, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, meaning inside of our bodies there's a treasure that every one of us possess. And what does that treasure do? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Say with me, I have a power. There's a treasure inside of me. Come on, there's a power that God desires to live inside of us. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the that works. We have a treasure. There's an excellency. There's a power that desires to live in us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says that there's an excellence. There's a greatness exceedingly abundantly beyond our wildest dreams, our greatest hopes and expectations. Things can take place and happen in our lives according to the power that works inside of us. But the question has to be today, what is the treasure? What is the power source of our lives? What is it that we possess within us? Because I'm telling you right now, too many of us don't possess His excellence power. 
Too many of us don't see and believe what God sees we are. But yet we minimize the greatness of God in our lives. I said we minimize the greatness of God in our lives. We belittle God. Listen to this statement. Your life should never be the sum total of the circumstances that are around you. But only what you allow to live in you through those circumstances should determine your outcome. Let me say that one more time. Your life should never be the sum total of the circumstances around you. But only what, al- what you allow to live in you through those circumstances should determine the outcome of your life. We're talking about a treasure and a power that desires to live in you, that desires to work in you, that desires to change you. And that's why it's so important. That's why it's vital. What's within us is fueling our lives because our life or my life is going to be the product of what's inside of me. And if it's not God, it's not good. If it's not the things of God, it's never going to be good. So what today, as we begin this series and we look again at it, come on, what is the issue that's controlling your life? What is it that motivates your life? What is it that releases your life or does it... Withhold your life and limit and inhibit your life. Today we're going to talk about insecurities. Massive, massive, massive subject that we all face. Such a major issue. I've heard someone describe insecurities, I think, and this is the best way I've ever heard it described, as an invisible prison. There's no bars, there's no doors. But it's an invisible prison that keeps us locked. That when we go to work, we're in that prison. When we go to the grocery store, we're in that prison. When we're at home, we're in that prison. And unfortunately, even when we're in church, we find ourselves locked in that invisible prison. It's a giant that we all will face. And if not conquered and broken free from, it will hinder our lives. If not dealt with and put under control, it will spread throughout Your whole life. You know, insecurities can just be a thought that we allow to fester and grow in our minds. Can begin with just the simplest thought. It can be just a few words that have been spoken over our lives. Things not good. But what we've done is we've focused our whole life and built our whole life upon those wrong words. And what happens, our whole life is fashioned according to perhaps a wrong thought or a wrong word. Here's the truth today. We all have insecurities. Some people look at me and say, well, man, he's obviously not insecure. He's got everything going. I have insecurities. Everyone has insecurities. In fact, if someone says they don't have insecurities, they're a liar. Because we all battle with insecurities in some shape, form, or fashion. But you see, the difference perhaps is people have learned to isolate them. What do I mean by isolating them? You know, there's a power cord right here, a power cord for this keyboard. You know, if we were to strip away the wire insulation around this, me holding on to that cord would kill me. There's such a force of electricity inside of this that would kill me, but because of the isolation or the insulation 
all around that, a sheath of protection. We can handle power every day that would otherwise destroy us. You see, God wants to be that power all around us, that the struggles that we're going to face through life, He wants to insulate us and isolate us from the source of Satan that wants to destroy us and wipe us out, that we can go through life no longer being bound and destroyed by those insecurities that we all possess. But you know what? There's certain things in our lives also that we need to realize we don't have to live with. Come on, you're shouting me down today. Come on. There's certain things in our lives we don't have to live with, but yet we choose. Come on, not my neighbor, not my parent, not my teacher, not the people around. I choose. Come on, it's all about me. We need to just get down to the nitty gritty. We can blame other people, but the reality is there are some things, yes, we all face. Granted, but God can help us isolate, insulate those things that they won't destroy us. But you know what? We can use power for something good, can't we? We can take insecurities and negativities and with God we can turn them around because what Satan means for evil, God says, hey, I can turn it around for good. So there are things in our lives that we face that can be turned around for good, but there's other things that have no business being inside of you as a child of God. We need to uproot those things, not just weed whack them, not just round up. You know the problem with round up? They come back. They say they destroy the roots, but they only do it for about four or five months. And then they're back. There is no substitute to getting down on your hands and knees and ripping those suckers up. And the problem is, however much you rip those suckers up, you sow seeds when you pull them up and they'll come back again and again and again. There's struggles that we're going to face in our lives that Satan... You think Satan said, oh, they've finally got the picture, I'm just going to leave them alone. Do you think Satan's ever come to that place? Miss D, how long have you been saved? A long time. A long time. You've been saved 30 plus years, Miss D? 30 years. Are the struggles you face today any different to when you first got saved? You still face struggles, Miss D? We're going to face the struggles. But you see, we've got to begin to realize that there's a greater power than those struggles. There's a greater source that we can tap into than those struggles. That God is able to see us through. Come on, what are you living with that you shouldn't be? Come on, what are you allowing to be a part of you that has no business because the Bible says that you are the temple of the living God. A place where He desires to place His presence and His power. Oh, but Pastor Philip, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Many times we can. But we choose not to. We choose not to. This is not even my my notes. This is good stuff. I'm enjoying this myself. What are you living with? That you've said, I can't live now without. Isn't it amazing when you live with something for long enough, you begin to believe the lie that you can't live without it. You can't live without it. It's a lie of the enemy. Because a lot of the things that we've chose to live with are bringing us into a place that is not abundance of living and not abundance of life. But we're settling for a mere existence. 
and saying, this is the best I deserve. Come on, I've got to say this right now. There's some people right now that you believe the lie of the enemy. Well, I screwed up and messed up, and this is the best I'm going to be able to have. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's not the best. His best is greater than anything that you could be able to begin to imagine. Don't settle for anything but the best. Come on, stop allowing insecurities and the issues of your life to start depicting the life that you should live. Get back in the Word of God. Get back in the mirror of God. Look at your life in the life of God and begin to realize, hey, I'm a special person. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm the apple of His eye. I'm the one in whom He delights. I'm the one in whom He takes great glory and honor. Come on, to live any other way is not to live life to the max. I looked at the dictionary of the word insecurity. And I looked at three definitions in the dictionary. And obviously the first is pretty profound, isn't it? The lack of security. I mean, I I think I could have figured that one out myself. Insecurity is the lack of security. But then look at the next definition. It says the lack of confidence and being unassured. Of oneself. Look at the next one. It's now causing us to be fearful and causing us to be timid. What is insecurity doing? It's putting us in a shell, it's minimizing the potential. That fearfulness and that timidity. But you know, I've also realized this that also in public, Insecurity can manifest itself in the opposite way, that people can be the loudest, that they can be the most obnoxious, because what are they trying to do? They're trying to get the attention because of their insecurities. They're trying to be the center. They're trying to, it's insecurities, insecurity, major issue. But you know, the result of insecurity is this instability. Instability in your life. But here's the most amazing thing as I was writing and thinking about this subject. The most incredible thing about insecurity is this. It doesn't blind us from the potential that's available. It doesn't blind us from the the realms our lives can go. It doesn't blind us from the opportunities that every one of us can have in our lives. It shows the full picture. But you see, because of its attack upon your life, it can show you the whole picture. Because inside, you are doubting your abilities and you are doubting your worth. And all you see is something that could have been. But yet, as a result, it discourages you more and more. It shows you the picture, but it reminds you how inadequate you really are. It makes you believe that you can never achieve such great things. Insecurity will resist everything that God wants you to be. And as a result, our families will struggle and suffer. As a result, our children will suffer because of our insecurities. As a result of all the relationships that we can be involved in, they will suffer at the expense of our insecurities. Our abilities to be and to do will suffer all because of our insecurities. Even though it comes packaged in so many different ways, every goal is always the same. And that is to limit your life. 
Come on, it's time that we say enough is enough. Come on, I said it's time that we say enough is enough. That I'm going to have a treasure that's released inside of me. That's an excellence. That's a power source that can give me those great things that I've only dreamed of. But God says they're available if he's the power of my life. Look at this scripture, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54, we're going to read the first five verses, if we may, this morning. From Isaiah chapter 54, and beginning in verse 1, it says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Let me just stop there a minute. Notice the first few words. It says, Sing, O Barren. And then it goes, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Back in biblical days, barrenness was recognized as being a curse. If someone was barren, it was as they were cursed of God. That there was no productivity of their life. They were cursed. There was something about them. That wasn't releasing life. It wasn't able to produce. They were cursed. There was no hope for their future existence. The inability to produce and the inability to have more. I began to think that's a lot like insecurities. It's a lot like insecurities that want us to feel like, I guess we're just cursed. And, and I guess this is the hand that we've been dealt. And I guess this is all we're going to have. But what does it do? It produces an unproductivity inside of us that will cause us not to be able to produce life and truth. But what does God say to us? God says to us, sing and cry aloud. Come on, God's word says, sing. He says there may be insecurities that want to make you barren, that want to strip you of life's best that God has for you. But what does God say? He doesn't say cry and be miserable and be depressed and say, oh, okay, it's all right for them, but I guess this is all it's going to be for me. God's word says, start to sing. Come on, start to cry aloud. Start to realize and say, hey, there has to be more than just this. Come on, let something stir inside of your spirit like Paul and Silas. When they were beaten, when they were abused, and they had hardly any strength left. Yet something inside of them would not let them be quiet. And they began to sing and they began to praise God. Come on, there's a song my grandfather wrote that says, There's never a reason strong enough for not praising the Lord. Whenever the going's getting tough, you've got to keep praising the Lord. Praise Him, you know that you should, because everything's working together for good. If I had my accordion here today, I'd play and sing it for you. Praise Him. You can never afford to ever stop praising the Lord. See these insecurities, these issues, these things about me. They want to silence me. They want me to say, well, there's no hope for my marriage. They want to say, well, I guess my kids are going to be lost with drugs and that's all that's going to happen. I guess I'm going to be broke for the rest of my life. Come on, I'm preaching truth to you today. God says, begin to sing. Begin to cry out. Begin to cry out. You know what happens when you begin to sing and you begin to cry out? 
you begin to say, these present situations are not going to depict my future. Come on, my future is not going to be based on this. I'm not going to make decisions on where I'm at. I'm going to make decisions on where I'm going. Come on, I'm not going to make hurt decisions because hurt decisions have hurt results. I'm going to start making decisions of where God has me. I'm going to start praising Him. I'm going to start crying out. Come on, this is the secret to breaking free in your life. Beginning to praise God. Beginning to say, hey, these present situations, it's not going to fashion me. It's not going to make me who I am because I was created in a different image to that. The Bible says that he spoke everything else into existence. But when it came to you and I, he bent down and he hand fashioned us and he formed us. And he looked and said, "Mm, my image, mm, my likeness looks good. Come on, today we may be still in his image, but are we still in his likeness? It's time that we begin to cry aloud. And realize life shouldn't be like this. Come on. I've been held back long enough. Come on, I've got to have a witness in the house today. Come on, it's got to be better than this. You see, when you sing and you cry, you move beyond your now. You move beyond where you're at. Let's read on. It says in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Oh, I like that. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to... Oh, this is not for me, pastor. This is good stuff, but not for me. Come on, the Bible says it's for the ones who wants to sing. You may be destitute and you may be barren, but God says if you'll start singing, there's some promises that you can begin to see enlargement in your life. You can begin to see strengthening in your life. You can begin to see a backbone like you never had before in your life. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Verse 3, for you shall expand to the right and the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations. You will make desolate the cities of the inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to enjoy it if you're not. Praise God. I'm not going to be ashamed. Neither be disgraced. I'm not going to be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will remember the reproach of your widowhood no more. What is he saying? How you used to be was okay, but not that way no more. Verse 5, for your maker is your husband. That's what Mr. Arnold was saying today, wasn't it? For my maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He called, he is the called and the God. Of the whole earth. You know, I didn't write this scripture down, but you know what? If your Bible and your Bible is open to Isaiah 54, why not jump to verse 17? Oh, it gets better. It says, No weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue which rises up against me in judgment will be brought to nothing because this is the heritage. Come on, this is my inheritance. This is what God has for me. Come on, you've got to get it into your spirit today. The way you're living, the way you're acting, it's not the inheritance, it's not the blessing, it's not the future, it's not what God has for your life. But God says sunshine, blessing, power, and anointing shall be yours. You see, listen to this. When God gets a hold of your life, Every restriction can become a field of increase. 
Tammy, can you put that on the screen? There it is. When God gets a hold of your life, every restriction. Come on, anyone had any restrictions? Come on. Come on, anyone witness? Am I preaching to anyone except myself today? Come on, please help me out in here. Because I'm getting a little bit insecure and thinking I'm only preaching to myself. When God gets a hold of your life, and my God, he wants to get a hold of your life. And you've got to realize he wants to get a hold of your life, not for him, but for you. He wants to get a hold of your life, not for him, but for you. Because he knows when he gets a hold of your life, your life is going to be changed. When God gets a hold of your life, every restriction, say that with me, every restriction. Come on, I'm tired of being restricted. I'm tired of being down. Every restriction becomes a field of increase. Becomes a place where seed of life can be sown, that there can be a harvest that can come in our lives. This morning, I'm going to try and give you some key areas or points of insecurity that I believe every one of us will be able to identify with. And every one of us would have to lift up our hands and say, That's me. There's struggles, that's where I'm at. But remember, we're not just identifying these issues. We've recognized and realized that it's time to enlarge. It's time to lengthen. It's time to cry out. Because why? Because God is our freedom. He's our source of life. And he's our strength. One of the things that insecurity will do with you is this. It will build self-doubt inside of you. Insecurity will build self-doubt. If you didn't doubt it before, you will soon. It attacks your very core. It attacks what you are. It attacks the worth of your life. You see, insecurity starts very subtly. But in such a precise way, just like Satan did in the Garden of Eden. You know what? He just asked a question. Satan just asked a simple question. Did God really say that? Just something so subtle and so simple, but yet as a result of something so simple, man that day began to question God. And as a result of man questioning God, we know the outcome. We know the outcome. We know the outcome. So it begins with them questioning who you are and your ability to succeed and be productive in your life. One of the easiest ways to identify an insecure person is just to be around them for a few moments. To watch them and listen to them and see the lack of self-worth that they portray in their lives. How easily they put themselves down. Oh, I could never do that. I'll never be any good to anyone. What's happening is their insecurities are fashioning who they are. Self-doubt begins to challenge who we are. But then it doesn't stop there. It begins to challenge also whose we are. Not only does it doubt us and our abilities, but it begins to cause us to doubt God and his abilities to take care of my life. Because that's true. If God says I'm that special, then why am I struggling like this? Yeah, that's right. God, you're not taking care of me. You don't really care about me. And then all of a sudden, we're not only doubting ourselves, we're doubting the God who created us and made us. We've got to isolate this. We've got to stop this power. Because that's what it wants to be, a control over every one of our lives. Oh, I'm just worthless. I'm just good for nothing. I'm just a mistake. Oh, I'm just someone who is just going to get in the way. No good, no help. That's never been God's image for your life. 
That's the picture that insecurity has painted. That's the image that over the course of time it's began to cause you to believe that's how you are. So we see that insecurity will begin to develop inside of us and create self-doubt. The second thing we'll realize about insecurity is this. It begins to make you hear the wrong thing. I'm going to talk about this for a few moments. Is that okay? Because I'm the pastor and I'm just going to talk about this for a few moments today. It makes you read deeper into what's really been said. And what happens is it doesn't make you just read deeper. It comes in on a negative spin. Do you know what I'm talking about? A negative spin. The pessimistical approach. You know, they say that the pessimist may be right in the end, but it's the optimist that's going to enjoy the journey. So what we've got is this. Insecurity makes you hear the wrong things. Watch when someone is insecure and try to praise them. Have you ever tried to give someone an attaboy when they're insecure? They can't receive it. They really can't receive it. They cannot hear words of affirmation. Because this is what they hear. When you say, man, you, you, did, you did such an awesome job. Thanks so much. That is incredible. I really appreciate it. You know what they hear? This is what they hear. Oh, he's only just saying that because he knows that's what I want to hear. He's just saying that or she's just saying that just to be nice. Listen, they don't really mean that. You see, it makes you hear Something different to what's really been said. Because insecurity will always undermine the truth. And something that's undermined is something that's dug under. And if you dig under something, you know what happens? That which is on the surface begins to collapse. Insecurity wants to undermine truth. That our lives will collapse and fall. Insecurity wants to like be that roadblock that stops anything of worth getting into you. That all that's allowed in is negativity and failure and mistake. Look at Genesis chapter 4. And you don't have to turn there because Tammy's so graciously done it on the screen for us. And she does an awesome job. Thanks, Tammy. Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7. This is Cain and Abel's sacrifice. I haven't got time to go into it, but God rejects Cain's sacrifice. But look what God says to Cain. So God says to Cain, or so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? God says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God says to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? The New Living Translation says you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. But you see, Cain doesn't hear that. I said Cain doesn't hear that. And unfortunately, we don't hear that either. God wasn't rejecting him. God was just letting him know that there was a change that needed to be required. And through that change, there was acceptance that was waiting for him. 
Yes, God says sin is looming, or one translation literally says sin is crouching at the door, ready to pounce and ready to jump on you. God says the desire of sin is for you. It wants to destroy you. These things want to destroy you. But what does God say? God says, but you can rule over it. That there's something greater. Come on. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. There's a power. There's a treasure. There's something inside of me that can rule over these things. In other words, God's saying to Cain, you can overcome it if you'll hear the truth. But no, you know what Cain hears? Not good enough. Come on. That's all he heard. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And he murders his brother as a result. It's amazing how many people feel unvalued and unloved because of the blockage called insecurity that they hear something completely different. You may turn around and say, but Pastor Philip, I do hear it and I hear it right. Yes, there are perhaps sources of your life that you do hear those things, that they're negative and they're putting you down and all these kind of things. But again, the choice is this. What voice are you going to listen to? Come on, what voice are you going to listen to? Turn to John chapter 10 and read it for yourself. Not right now. Just take it down. Look at it. The Bible says that the voice that you know the most is the voice that you're going to follow the most. The stranger you're going to run from, but the voice that you know you're going to follow. You're going to follow You're going to follow. No matter how many times people are affirmed, no matter how many times they are praised, insecurity, if not isolated, will make you hear it all completely wrong. You're not good enough. Number three, insecurity justifies its lack. Let me explain. Instead of taking responsibility for lack or not accomplishing or not performing... Insecurity will always cause you to justify yourself against everyone else of lesser value. What do I mean by that? It would always compare you to someone else and you'll look and say, well, at least I'm better than them. Insecurity will always have a way of escape for you to say, well, at least I'm better than them. Those who are worse off than me. You know, this insecurity will never compare yourself to people who are normally greater than you or justify. You'll never justify yourself. Let me rephrase that. You will never justify yourself by someone who's greater than you because then you'll realize how bad you really are. But you'll always justify yourself by someone who's lower than you and make yourself feel better. So what you do is instead of, this is what happens, instead of making yourself feel better and lifting yourself up, you just make that person look worse. But in the process, where are you? You, you? you haven't moved. So instead of building up your life, what you do is you go down to their level or justify yourself. And what happens is it pulls your life in the wrong direction. So instead of building yourself up, it tries to make itself look better than the sick state it really is. Come on. How many of us try to make our lives better than they really are by justifying our insecurities and saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are? Insecurities has to find justification in others to make up for the personal lack. The lack within us. God says to Adam, what have you done? Remember we talked about questioning? God says to Adam, what have you done? Look what Adam says in Genesis 3, verse 12 and 13. Then God said to man, what have you done? And then man said, the woman you gave to me, 
She's the one that gave me and I ate. So what is he doing? He's not taking responsibility because insecurity doesn't do that. It always passes the blame. It's everyone else's fault while I'm not performing. It's not my responsibility. It's everyone else. Come on, do I get a witness in the house? The woman you gave me. Oh, notice he doesn't just blame the woman. He blames God. So it gets better than that. So God turns to the one who gave it to him and said, so what have you got to say about yourself? What have you done? And she said, oh, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. It's amazing how many people, I believe, read scriptures like this, thinking that God is trying to find out really what's happened. Come on, parents. So many times we hear so many different stories from our kids. It's a struggle to find out what really is the truth. But God's not struggling to find out the truth. He already knows exactly what's taken place and exactly how it has. Because you know what? Nothing's hidden from God. And he knows exactly what you do, when you do it, and how you do it. So when he asks you, what are you doing? He's not asking out of ignorance. He's giving you the opportunity to fess up and say, God, I screwed up. Would you forgive me? That's grace. Come on, I said, that's grace. That's mercy right there because he has every right to condemn us right there on the spot. But through this act in Genesis, we see the grace and the mercy of God that he gives every one of us the opportunity to fess up. But you see, insecurity will stop us from taking the blame and facing the responsibilities. It does it every time. You and I need to start taking responsibility for our lack and saying, you know what, it's not acceptable. I need to take responsibility and you know what? I'm going to start singing and I'm going to start crying aloud because I'm going to break free from this curse and this stronghold over my life. I'm tired of using the excuses that insecurity makes available for me. It never admits fault. And you know what happens when fault is never admitted? When you never admit there's a fault, then you never admit and there's a problem. And if there's no problem, there can never be a solution. It's not good. It's not good. Say with me this morning, help me, Jesus. Pastor's beginning to get a little insecure whether he's going to be able to finish this message or not. Number four, insecurity is defensive and unteachable. You begin to feel like everyone's against you. You begin to feel like the whole world is against you. You begin to feel like you're the victim. But like we talked about Wednesday night, is it a case of you're the victim or have you become the volunteer? I've got other things to say. I just need that to sit in just a little bit. Are you really the victim or have you become the volunteer? Have you volunteered? It's amazing to me how many people think that all, there's so many people that come and think that all other people do is sit and talk about them all day. That all they're doing is discussing them. You know what, I hate to burst your bubble, can I tell you this, you're not that interesting. You're just not that interesting. You're just not all that. And like we haven't got anything better to do, I mean, come on, let's be real. But it's amazing, is it? It's insecurities, everyone's talking about me. Everyone's looking at, you know what, here's a thought for you right now, and it's not on my notes, this is just bonus. If everyone's thinking the same thing, then perhaps everyone could be right. Well, that's good, amen. Let's give an old call on that one. If everyone's thinking the same thing, there's only one common denominator in the equation, and that's you. Because everyone else is thinking the same of you. But you see, here's the problem. 
When you begin to get defensive and unteachable, you pull back and you begin to isolate your life. And you begin to live alone. You separate yourself from the pack. And you can watch the hist- not the History Channel, the, all these wildlife things. When you separate yourself from the pack, there's something waiting. Your lunch. <laughs> Satan's like a roaring lion. Seek him, he's going to devour. He's not devouring the pack. He's devouring the ones that remove themselves from the pack. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and rages against all wise judgment. You know what is at the end of isolation? Depression. Depression lives in isolation. You see, insecurity gets us to be so defensive and unteachable that we just pull away from everyone and we think we know it all and all these kind of things. It's it's dangerous, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. It has to separate itself from other people. Why? Because if it remains, it gets exposed and then when those insecurities become exposed, we'll begin to realize what they are and we'll have to make a change. Number five, insecurity always focuses in on the safe. It plays life safe. It takes no risks. It takes no chances. It's just safe, safe, safe. Some of you may say that's a good thing, but you know what? I call that the nest syndrome. God never created you to live in a nest. You needed that nest for a little while, but the whole idea of that nest is just to sustain you so there can be strength and growth that you can fly. Come on, I don't want to be in a nest for the rest of my life when God says there's places that I can go. Come on, God's word says there's rivers for me to swim in. But you know what all we're doing is just paddling with our little ankles in the water. Just enjoying life, just sitting there. Oh, isn't the water great? Isn't the God says dive in. Come on, insecurity will keep you paddling in the shallow end when God says there's rivers to swim in. Come on, am I preaching to you today? Are you getting something from God? You see, it's all about me and we need to start realizing some truths. We've been limited for long enough. It keeps me playing safe. God never intended for you to live a boring life. But I will say this, I didn't say for you to live a crazy life either. You've got to have wisdom, you've got to have knowledge. But you know what? You've got to get out of the safe zone and start living in the faith zone. You'll never realize that you've got the ability and the power to be able to walk on water while you're sitting in a boat talking about it. The only reason you'll begin to realize that you're doing things... I've got to jump on this. Uh, this is not in my notes. You're going to have to give me a few more minutes today. And if, if you want to go, and that's fine. But perhaps most of you are so insecure that you wouldn't dare get up anyway and walk out. <laughs> Now I just lost where I was going with that thought. (laughs) A lot of people turn around when it comes to worship and they praise and they say, I'm waiting for God to move me. Come on, I'm going to preach. I just got chills that went down my spine when I said that. A lot of people in worship, they say, I'm waiting for God to move me. You know, can, can we define that movement? I mean, what do you mean? Really what they're saying is, I'm waiting for God to put my hands in the air. I'm waiting for God to open my mouth and incredible words to come out. And I'm waiting for God to grab a hold of my feet and maybe just get me kind of just doing a little bit of a jig. Or I'm just waiting for God to move me. It's absolutely incredible that the fact of this is you'll be waiting a long time. You'll be waiting a long time. Because here's the reality. We have to take the first step in the flesh. We have to be the ones that begin to lift our hands, clap our hands, begin to praise God. But let me tell you something. When you take that step, 
There's a freedom and a liberty that you'll come into in God. But you see, insecurity will keep you bound. Insecurity will keep you safe. Oh, everyone's going to be looking at me. You know what? You probably, I'm just praying for the day that those who are not moving in praise and worship are going to feel more uncomfortable than those who are moving in praise and worship. But you know what? Here's the deal. You see, insecurity many times will rob us from the best because there's such a reward and such a blessing that comes from worshiping and praising God. Come on, I love to get my praise on. Because you know why? It's not about me praising worship. It's about Him. And it's about me praising and worshiping Him for who He is. It's my opportunity to get away from everything else and say, God, you're just so awesome. And can I show you how awesome I think you are? It's not about me. It's about God. It's about God. You see, if you can do it, you don't need God. If you can do the things that you desire in your life, you don't need God. And you know what one of the ploys of Satan is to take God out of your life? To take the need of God away from you so it leaves you living safe that you don't need God. I don't really need God. Life's safe. Life's great. We've got to get out of our safe zone into that faith zone. Will you give me five more minutes? Who will give me five more minutes? Praise God, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. (laughs) Some of you knew that was coming. Boom, boom. Number six, insecurity carries the attachment called not. I cannot do that. I will not do that. Notice the first statement, though, is I can not. Notice that, how the attachment can destroy the content or the intent. I can not. The first words out of our mouths are, we can, but then we keep going and say, I'm not. I'm able, but not. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do, not I can not do. Come on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I liberate you today that God doesn't require you to do all things? But you have the power and ability to do those things if you need to. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you see, insecurity wants to rob me of my ability and begin to question my worth. And what does it do? Oh, I cannot do that. You know, even some people right now are sitting here and saying, you know what? Well, I guess that was just not for me. There's people here right now that are saying, well, I just guess that's just not for me. Can we just take that word not out of that sentence and can we just say it one more time? Well, I guess that was just for me. How incredible just that one word can change the whole thing. I guess that was just for me. You've got to leave here saying today that message was just for me. Just for me. Just for me. Come on, quickly, I've got three more points and I'm going to hit them really quick. Number seven, insecurity builds discouragement. Dis is the opposite of encouragement, discouragement. Discouragement will lead to despair. Number eight, insecurity keeps you living as a has-been in the past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Insecurity wants you to live in the past. Never experience the greatness that God has for you. Looking back. Insecurity wants you to focus the wrong direction and never discover the future by holding on to the past. Come on, break the chains of the past. Release yourself into the best that is yet to come. 
Insecurity has its focus still on things that cannot be changed. You can't change the past. Can anyone change your past in here? Can anyone change your past? Yes, God can. But he's the only one. But you see what happens is we begin to try to change the past and insecurity keeps us living in the past. We can't change the past, but then it will rob us from being affected in the future or effective in the future. Almost done. Number nine, insecurity constantly finds itself comparing. If only I was like Pastor Philip. No, you don't want to be like me. If only I could do like Aaron. If only I was like that person. If only I was as beautiful as Pastor Philip's wife. That's impossible, so just quit. But you know what? There will never be a greater you than you. There will never be a greater you than you. And if there was, God would make another you. But he never made another you. When he made you, he threw away the mold because he said, how can you change and work on and build on perfection? He threw away the mold, not because, oh, he threw away the mold because he said, that is so perfect, I could never make someone better than that. But insecurity, always find yourself comparing other, if only I was, if only I, and, uh, uh, yeah. Write down this statement. And remember, you've got to write notes in church. Refuse to live under the shadow of someone else. what insecurity will cause you to do, live under the shadow of someone else. And last but not least, insecurity will destroy your life. Never bring growth and development. Would you stand with me this morning? Insecurities, insecurities, insecurities. What's your story today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.